<laughs> Kaiju dudes, yeah? Yeah. Still the coolest ah. roar out of anything. Say, if you ever want to get a black eye, play that when your girlfriend walks into the room. (laughs) (laughs) That and the Imperial March. Nah, she likes that. (laughs) Oh, you you experimented? (laughs) No. I don't do any of that. I love my girlfriend. I'm I'm surprised she doesn't love me. Yes, are we? Anyways, <laughs> welcome to Entertain This, a podcast about movies, TV shows, and video games. Today, we're going to be talking about the uh, all-important Japanese kaiju. Kaiju? But uh, first, kaiju? we have our, our social media, which is entertainthispodcast.com, which will take you to our Facebook group and page. We also have our Twitter, slash X, which is at thisentertain, and our Instagram, which is entertain.this. And because Tom and I know very little about kaiju, we have our friends Nathan and Michael here. To uh, expand and on your glutton for punishment, just you should have said Michael and Nathan. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot that because somebody <laughs> is just not willing to go second. It was it well. No, I am. I am no bottom. <laughs> I am no. Bottom. Oh. <laughs> well, then maybe you maybe you should start podcasting about kaiju again. <laughs> maybe, or I just leave it to you and just. So that when I do make my triumphant return, people will have something to actually look forward to. Oh, <laughs> are you trying to? Are so you trying to say you're gonna? You're the second coming. Seems very oh. lofty of you. I mean, I'm, I'm a giver, so I try to come second usually. <laughs> oh, really? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he has his own sounds. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Armed with this, uh, armed with his sound effects. <laughs> Oh man! I That's, like I feel like the energy. I, I same. I feel like the energy. Um, I feel like the energy that we just had a few minutes ago talking about stuff that's completely unrelated <laughs> is carrying over. So um, <laughs> the dudes' show is starting to materialize itself. It's manifesting. No, Godzilla! Damn it, Kaiju! Get get on track, boys. This is how. This this is this is how great podcasts start just with a conversation and just <laughs> each other. <laughs> I mean, that's where the power trip came from. It was just you and me having private conversations about Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you were lonely, so I obliged. Well, that's how ours started. We well, yeah, well, and we you ended up, you ended up very lonely too because you. That's why you were going back to nostalgia. Our, our, mm, our whole podcast mm. started just because we get off work and start talking about movies, TVs, and, and the video games we wanted to go home and play. So. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> because you guys because you guys live a very in, you know, have a very intense job, so you need. Yeah. Oh, we need to go home and play games or else, and kill things, or else you yeah. will become <laughs> the criminals that your friends then have to arrest. <laughs> but for real, guys, thanks for having us back. I know it's been so long since we talked. Um, oh yeah, like thirty seconds. <laughs> Remember that time you paused to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was remember that moment. time we paused in between recording that. Yeah, that was, a that, long was, that, was a, that was an amazing breath, guys. That was such a good mm-hmm. pause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. bake, now make daddy a sandwich. <laughs> uh, he Anthony Mackied it. 
<laughs> verbalized it. Oh. Yeah, what people don't know is like we talked for like almost an hour <laughs> between <laughs> recordings and just talking about How about nonsense. completely unrelated things? <laughs> completely random too. And probably shouldn't be re-mentioned <laughs> at this point. I'm cancellation material. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I have I I, I totally mind my people. Hashtag plausible deniability. Oh yeah. A, I took a very I took a very extended bathroom break. <laughs> what are we talking about? You did more than pee, didn't you? <laughs> hey, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do, man. It's been a lon- it's been it's been a lonely season. You poor man. <laughs> Uh, okay, so, so so kaiju. I guess ka- kaiju. I guess kaiju. Yeah, we're kaiju. we're doing kaiju. 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 Okay, kaiju. Kaiju and you. Bless the, you. Uh, the the TED talk by yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the TED the TED talk by one Mr. Nathan Marchand. Oh 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 really? Oh, I get to do this. I get to do this. Oh okay. Mm-hmm. Tell me, you, you are the village idiot. I mean, you are the resident. Oh. Oh, what? Is because I have a, a master's kaiju. degree and all that fun stuff, you know, oh, that yeah. I only remind yeah, people about, you know, every other sentence. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah, the fourth that. time he's brought mm-hmm. it up. Exactly that. <laughs> yeah, so. only four. Then, man, the I'm, next I'm, time, I'm lagging. The next time you bring it up, Nathan, I'm going to kick you in your nuts. <laughs> Too bad for you. I have done. <laughs> wow, that was a strange Holy ego challenge well. right there. That was a beautiful <laughs> shout right there. <laughs> jokes on you. Wow, that was that was okay. Jokes on you. I am <laughs> jokes on you. I'm a eunuch. <laughs> You're just gonna be kicking nothing but gooch. <laughs> what is a kaiju? <laughs> oh, the age old question. <laughs> well, some would say that it's a strange beast. Uh, that so so also some would argue that things like Clifford can be kaiju, but I disagree because Clifford is a dog with a hormone disorder <laughs> and real kaiju like Godzilla and Gamera and other names that I'm going to probably say that no one has a freaking clue what I'm talking about, like King Ghidorah and Hedorah are actual kaiju. Oh, but it, it, so we also know some who would say that they must be from Japan in order yeah, to hide you, which makes no yeah, sense. Because, which makes no sense because technically Ghidorah is from space, sir. <laughs> and in one case, mm. he's from the future, mm. and it's clearly not Japan in the future. And in another one, he's from a uh, a horrible Lovecraftian hell dimension. Uh, so like mm. planet X. And it accidentally has a planet yeah. with an X on it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think a certain someone's definition of kaiju is both far too broad and far too narrow. At the same time, we're that takes. We're talking about. We're talking about a, a, a lighter, right? That is, interpretation <laughs> is what I'm getting. Yes. Mm. Right. It does. It, it honestly, like. The, if you if you take if if you take the literal meaning of the word, which is indeed strange beast, yeah, mm-hmm. it does leave a lot of room for interpretation. It leaves a lot of room because anything can be associated to a, large monsters. Well, right, te- like in right. Japanese, technically, a large monster is a daikaiju, because 
Dai, D-A-I, if you spell it out in English, is a prefix denoting large or great or big. You know, when you had us on to talk about Power, uh, Power Rangers and Jew Ranger, we were making jokes about Die Satan. It, it literally means great Satan. That's how it usually gets subtitled, at least by shout. Or you could, that's how it gets or you could use it in other terms like Die Johnson or wow. Die. You're an idiot. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were talking about Don Johnson there for a second, but okay. I was actually talking about Dwayne Johnson. He looks like a penis. He looks like a walking penis. But, you know, <laughs> Jesus. I tried to say he has a hole on the top of his head. No, I'm not no, Not even going to finish that to its natural conclusion. Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to bury that one and keep going. We're just going to bury that shit. Just bury it. Bury it deep. Swallow it. Wait, no, can't say that either. Um, uh, although the uh, to transition us, uh, the it could be argued Dwayne Johnson is a kaiju. I mean, he hung out with kaiju in a movie, three of them. True, and he's the size of one. Rampage counts as a kaiju still, film. Still, yeah. Hmm? yeah. What, what counts as a kaiju film? Rampage. Rampage with the giant Rampage, albino yes. gorilla and the alligator and the wolf. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, because like I was going to say before, like if you if you follow the word and its meaning to its natural, if you follow it to like its ultimate conclusion, like a friggin' platypus could be a kaiju because it's a strange beast, right? Like there's I no would, other no, friend. no, because it's Heck still a no. it, it's still a naturally no. occurring Heck animal. No, Nathan, I'm talking. Quit interrupting me. Um, <laughs> but I'm so good at. Uh, you are. You know what? You're such a good boy. You are such a good boy, Aww. and you interrupt I, people really well. I do. But you really need to, but, but you really need to learn how to shoot. Yeah. Oh. Um, well, STFU, too. Yeah, anyway, it, it, but anyway, go ahead. You finish your thought, Nathan. I, I derailed you about the planet. Uh, yeah. No, it, it, the thing is, is that there's two ways to approach this question. You can either approach it as what creatures qualify as kaiju there's also the kaiju genre and mm-hmm. unfortunately both are pretty dicey and arguments usually ensue when you try to pin it down no one can, has fully agreed on criteria really for either one i would say it's easier maybe to pin down the kaiju genre than what is a kaiju period <laughs> although then you have to start asking questions like, well, how long must the large creature be in the movie to qualify as a quote-unquote kaiju film? And, you know, but what if it's only there at the end of the movie and it's not even the main focus of the movie? And, you know, it starts getting kind of dicey there. But, you know. Yeah, and then you have to start asking questions like, you know, going back to Power Rangers, are are the monsters in Power Rangers kaiju? I mean, they, they technically start beasts. off small. They are, but they also start mm-hmm. off small. So maybe in the literal definition, they are like a platypus. <laughs> That's a naturally occurring animal, sir. A weird one, yes, but a naturally occurring animal. It is not strange. Like you, okay, okay, okay. Michael, literally, Michael, you literally just said it was weird, and you said it's not strange. 
but it, it's unusual Which in the animal kingdom, but Which it's still one? a naturally occurring animal. Okay, Michael. Okay, Michael. How about I bring up the infamous question <laughs> that nearly broke all of your podcasts? Are dinosaurs kaiju? Ooh. No. No, they're not. The, the, the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are, because they're genetically engineered animals. Wait a minute. I don't remember that being your stance before. Have you changed your well, mind? I've, I've changed my mind, okay? Screw you. Screw you for, for putting me on the spot. <laughs> You're not allowed to change your mind and have opinions. I'm allowed to change my mind, damn it! How dare you have a thought? <laughs> how dare, well, how dare uh, I go through a season of reflection on whether or not Jurassic Park dinosaurs were actually kaiju or not? Don't like be the, reasonable. The Indominus Rex. The That's Indominus Rex <laughs> is a kaiju. The Indoraptor yeah. is a kaiju. A Everything kai- else? Yeah. Eh, no. <laughs> yeah, but it's still. Well, I mean, aren't they all the other dinosaurs genetic... like kaiju because they had to replicate the DNA using other DNA well, sequences? That's a that's a reason that's a reasonable argument to make, but I would still say not quite. But the but the freaking Indominus has more superpowers than Superman. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's a, that dinosaurs... thing's ridiculous, and it never existed until it was made genetically engineered. But... But dinosaurs, if you're watching like our planet and you're watching like the dinosaur special on, on net, I think it's on Netflix. If you're watching that, those are not kaiju. Those are just animals. Uh huh. Although then it start, this does start getting kind of murky because there are dinosaurs in kaiju movies and you have to start asking, like, do they qualify? Is Angerus a kaiju? Because he's just a big dinosaur. He is a pretty large. We'll be right back. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes... It doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Dinosaur. These are good questions. Who mm. who would you say mm-hmm. is credited very... as being the first kaiju? Yeah, what's the origin of the King kaiju Kong? Genre? King Kong is she the moved. first credit. Is King Kong the first credited kaiju? I would argue that King Kong is is the first kaiju. He's uh, the first King Kong movie. Certainly paved the way for how we understand what kaiju are. It's the predecessor to everything. Without King Kong, we wouldn't have gotten Godzilla. When did King Kong come out? Well, nineteen thirty three. Yeah, oh, okay, nineteen thirties. I was thinking Godzilla came out first. first bit, no, Godzilla didn't come out until 1954. Four. Okay. Yep. And A.G. Tsuburaya, who did the special effects on a bunch of Godzilla films in the 50s and 60s, was a massive fan of that movie, had his own personal print of the film, showed it to Haruo Nakajima, who played Godzilla in the suit, as you know, basically telling him, I want you to do something like this, except in a suit. And the 
one of the impetuses for making the first Godzilla film was the fact that King Kong had been re-released in Japan, I think in 52 or 53, somewhere thereabouts. It was a massive hit. So producer Tomiyuki Tanaka said, you know what? We should do something like that. Big lizard with spikes on him. <laughs> Fire. Uh-huh. Warning everybody about the, the, the horrors of nuclear testing. Uh-huh. Well, that kind of However, takes into the thing that I was going to ask was, like, there, is there any, like, common, common themes for kaiju films, or are they all just kind of broad spectrum? Big monsters, big fights. I, well, yeah, it is pretty broad, I would say. You know, because you have, you have stuff that, try, you know, that really wants to use the monster as a metaphor and, you yeah. know, and get into some really serious stuff. And then other times it's, they're, you know, they're just popcorn flicks. <laughs> Which sounds very reductionist, but you know what I mean. But it's I mean, just well, Godzilla versus Kong. Godzilla versus Kong was a popcorn flick, whereas my, Godzilla minus one, which is what just came out, um, and uh, became and it became a, a apparently a, a darling among even Americans. Um, mm-hmm. You know that 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 movie. Some would argue that minus one is. Kaiju film, quote, kaiju, quote, kaiju film at its, quote, purest, right? Because it, it still addresses the nuclear allegory, the tragedy of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and all that. So, mm-hmm. like, that is what, that is what fans would, that's what fans would say is like the purest kaiju film or the purest Godzilla mm-hmm. film because it does, because it does use Godzilla as an allegory, as a, as an, as an allegory. But like Nathan said, you can have films like, Godzilla versus Kong, which are just fun, ridiculous films, and you can have like kaiju. What is it? Uh, what is that film from SRS? Kaiju Soup or Kaiju something? Um, uh, um, which which one? The one with like the the giant octopus and the crab and all that. What is that one? I never watched. Kaiju it, Seafood Wars. Ka- kaiju <laughs> Seafood Wars, which is a ka- kaiju seafood wars. Live in Red Ridiculous comedy. You're not too far off. out of Cheddar Biscuits, and he's going to take it out on the nearest thing he gets to. <laughs> you were saying, but, Michael? Um, no, I was just going to say, like Kaiju, like you said, Nathan, my Kaiju film can, uh, Kaiju films can make a have, have a broad range of meanings mm. or unmeanings or just they can cover a lot of stuff. Like Shin Godzilla yeah. was uh, a direct uh, was a direct response to the um, three eleven uh, disasters. Uh, uh, the three, yeah, the yeah, most, most obviously Fukushima, the Fukushima disaster. Yeah, the Fukushima disaster. That's what I was trying. That's the word I was trying to think of. The Fukushima yeah. disaster. So Shin Godzilla was a response to that. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there, it's a, it's broader than I think some people realize. There are also some that are not. Now, unfortunately, these aren't as common as I would like them to be. There are some that aren't even set in present day and have big cities. You know. Uh, the Dimagine trilogy from 1966, I believe. All three movies from 1966. Yeah. And yeah, those are set in feudal Japan, and the quote unquote kaiju is a statue that comes to life. I wouldn't like call that a kaiju. Jaipu. I would. I, I wouldn't call that a kaiju. Call it a gargoyle. No. I wouldn't call that a kaiju. I would call that like a kami. I would call that a kami, which goes. There, which goes into another Yeah, but Kami can area. be kaiju. Kami can be kaiju, but com but that is but that is but I would I would not see Daimajin as a kaiju because to me kaiju are more like 
are more akin to animals or more re- or, or more akin to like stranger or creatures. Organic beings. Oh, yeah, because King Ghidorah is totally an animal. <laughs> He's a dragon, Nathan. He's a, a dragon. Gold space dragon. Space. Then why can't Di- then why can't Dimagine be considered just because he's a big statue that comes to life? Well, because he's more he's more humanoid, <laughs> like Je- Jaguar. I just don't. No. I just don't see. I just so don't are the Gargantuas, sir. So is Frankenstein from Frankenstein no, conquers the world. But those are more Bigfoot. The Gargantuas are more Bigfoot. I would not say. I and would not say not a kaiju. I would not listen. I would not say Frankenstein from Frankenstein Conquers the World is a kaiju either. What is that? It? Is a oh, he's a uh, um, what is the word? Um, uh, di, um, kaijin? Is it kai? No, is that kaijin or show? Is it which was the one from space? Is that shojin or kaijin? Sajin. 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 Sorry, Sajin. Sajin is the one from space. Uh, what's the what's the what's the more human one? You had it right. It was kaijin. Kaijin. Okay, so I would say Which I would means classify strange man. So okay, so so Dimogen is more of a kai. If you want to like split, if you want, let's split the baby and say that he's more of a kaijin than a kaiju. Isn't he a little big though? He's like fifty feet tall. Oh my god! Because <laughs> like, when you say kaijin to me, I think like monsters and Power Rangers and Super Sentai before me. Yeah, or, but... or the or the the monsters that Common Rider fights. True, but it's more human. But Dimogen's more humanoid, so I would still argue that he is Kaijin, not Kaiju. Okay, but what what about Power Ranger monsters then? Are they Kaiju or Kaijin? They're Kaijin when they're human size. They're Kaiju when they're large. So you're trying to say that they are both? They are. They whatever. You're trap. You're trying to trap me. You're doing a good job. <laughs> Damn it, you've talked to me in this corner. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it, I can admit it when I'm not wrong, but still at the same time questioning what I believe. Uh, <laughs> is my name really Michael? <laughs> is my name really Spock? You're, you're talking about like- he's, deacon, he's deconstructing his kaiju fandom right now. <laughs> well, like you, you said, like normal animals that just are big can't be kaiju, but like, what about Mothra? She's just a big No, 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 no. If the animals are unusually large, and that is the only thing that's strange about them, I could make the argument that that makes them a kaiju. So, if you see a raccoon hanging out doing normal raccoon things, not a kaiju. If it gets irradiated and suddenly it's 50 feet tall, kaiju. Or it's nuts get irradiated and becomes a tanuki, then it's a kaiju. But that's... What? Of course, Michael would go there. <laughs> what I would love to, you know, and along those lines, what I would love to see is Russia should get its own kaiju, and it needs to be a bear that got a little too close to Chernobyl. At the <laughs> wrong time. <laughs> Giant two-headed bear. <laughs> I mean, we got that with cocaine bear. What more do you want? <laughs> I guess cocaine bear might actually qualify oh, because how many bears get high on cocaine? Let's say the scary part. That's real. <laughs> that was based I on know. a true event. That for it, 15 it minutes, a, that bear was the most event. apex predator on the planet. <laughs> uh, until its heart stopped, and then that's how it died. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, okay, here, let's complicate it even further. Is Mecha Godzilla a kaiju? It's a robot. 
he's no. a robot. He's a robot. He's a robot. Yeah, he's a robot. He's like, Can a robot be a kaiju? Nah. No. No, it's man-made. It's man- yeah, it's man-made. Well, technically, Mecha Mechagaz was made by aliens. Well, you know what I mean, maybe. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's mechanical. There is a term. There is a term for giant robot, which is mecha mm-hmm. or mech, right? Depending right. on who you talk to. So that's a bit of a related term, and sometimes they can kind of overlap. Although, then you have Kiryu in the Millennium Godzilla series that technically has biological components, including a cloned Godzilla brain. True. True. Mm-hmm. Blurring the line there a little bit. <laughs> I mean, if yeah. it has organic parts, wouldn't that make it a kaiju? I would argue it would, you know, it's a cyborg kaiju at that point. But it's still, but it's still a machine. It's not alive. Mm. So like a general grievous. So a giant, so, so a giant zombie is not a kaiju. No, because the giant, a giant zombie was once alive and biological. Oh, this is, me- this is mechanical. It's an oh, see, 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 see. Yeah, you're, you're doing good there. I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I try. I try really, I try really hard, guys. <laughs> I study for this. <laughs> I study, guys. All you do is make them like, give yeah. like a thumbs up and a little ching. <laughs> Bing. He got one right. He got one right. God be praised. <laughs> All right, so so what's the difference between a Japanese kaiju and like the Western kaiju films, like with a uh, Pacific Rim? Is there is there a difference between those? Well, Pacific Rim is an interesting case because it borrows two foreign words and uses them for the names of the giant things in there. Although, kaiju is actually now considered a loan word in English, and I attribute that in large part to Pacific Rim. But all the monsters in that are called kaiju, and then all the giant robots are called Jaegers, and Jaeger is the German word for hunter. Uh, he is correct. So, you know, yeah. So I can say, the thing is, I ought to... Honestly, before Pacific Rim came out, if I said the word kaiju, unless you were in the know, you didn't know what I was talking about. And I'd have to explain it. That's why I generally said giant monster. Mm-hmm. People understand that. Now I throw the word kaiju around and I rarely get strange looks. <laughs> so <laughs> Pacific like, Rim was more like a publicity thing for kaiju in that whole In, la- in large part, I-, I would say in large part it was. But it's funny that you asked me what's the difference, you know, between the you know, American and Japanese examples because in the now defunct <laughs> Kaiju Ramen, I wrote an article about that. And a lot of it, to put it succinctly, it really just boils down to how the monsters are presented, generally speaking. The American quote unquote kaiju cinema tends to present the monsters more naturalistically and you know is, which gives them more otherness you know so you watch the movie them from 1954 which is a great movie i would i would say I love that movie. And, uh, giant ants. yeah yeah giant ants and you know, that's all they are they're just giant ants doing ant things they don't have funny names and all they're trying to do is make a colony 
and you know, find food and reproduce. They're just doing normal ant things. That just makes them a problem for normal-sized humans. So we've got to go find some American pipe doors and take them out. <laughs> yeah. It, but that, that movie is basically what I think inspired, like, Earth Defense Force. Probably, which are one of their many influences. Those games are insane, and I love them. <laughs> but you know, but you then you look at Godzilla from 1950, also from 1954, and that's given a lot of metaphorical weight. There's at least implications of there being supernatural elements that almost deify Godzilla to a certain extent. You know, so they're treated very differently. They give the monsters names. You know, it, there's, there's a, you know, like I said, there's a lot of stuff. Another big difference is how they handle subjects, certain subjects like science or the bomb, their attitudes toward the military. The American films tend to be more positive toward the military, whereas Japanese films are more ambivalent because of their history. You know, so again, like I said, there's treated a wide breadth of, you know, a it's two treated. genre. It's treated like a tragedy. So if you want to, con- so if you, so look at uh, two completely different films. You look at Godzilla from 1998, the Roland Emmerich film. Mm-hmm. When Godzilla dies at the end of that movie, everyone celebrates. It's very pro-military, et cetera, et cetera. But if you look, if you go back and look at, I would say any, if you look at any of the Japanese Godzilla films, specifically 1954, we'll use 1954 as an example, uh, but I'm sure there, there are others that Nathan will pull out of his hat in just a second, but it's treated as a, it's, it's seen as a tragedy. Like why did this creature have to die or why did this creature come only to die, you know, a day later or whatever? So mm-hmm. it's, it's just different. It's just treated. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a different attitude towards, it's, it's our different attitudes towards, uh, uh, uh towards the subject matter. Whereas, because, and I think it comes down, it comes down to experience, right? Because, so Nathan, what Nathan was pointing out was, um, you know, the, the, the Japanese has a very, the Japanese have a very reverent um, look at history. Like they look, obviously, you know, we're not the ones that, and I'm not getting preachy here by no means, but we're, you know, we're not the ones that got a bomb dropped on us. So they're going to have a different experience mm-hmm. than we would in terms of like, how we view like militaristic things. And Godzilla come mm-hmm. out like less than a decade, like a year, you know, nine years yeah. since. Nine years, yeah. The Hiroshima yeah. and Nagasaki bombs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and what what Michael was talking about is that it, Godzilla is a tragic creature even in the original film because you can argue he's just as much of a quote-unquote victim of the bomb as the Japanese were. Yes, he's decimating cities but you wouldn't have been doing that if not for the bomb right yeah because so there's a level there's a level of nuance there and i would argue the nuance gets even more multifaceted later you know 10 years later when godzilla goes from being this atomic allegory and menace to japan's greatest hero and then back to a bad guy then back to a hero well, yeah, later, but, yeah. but still, for about ten for ten more years after you know after the mid sixties, he was practically a superhero. Yeah, an atomic powered superhero, which, like I said, just adds a level of irony to it. And I think that comes from outside. That that comes from a little bit of influence from Ultraman and others and, mm-hmm. and other Tokusatsu properties that were going on at the same time. Um, 
we, we talk, you know, Common Rider, Ultraman, Super Sentai, like very superhero shows. And so uh, Toho just, I, I mean, even uh, so uh, uh, Zone Fighter is a really good example. Yep. Yep. Which actually had Godzilla in a handful of episodes. Right. Hmm. And a couple of other monsters from his movies, Gigan and Ghidorah, most notably, appeared in that show. It was basically a Toho Ultraman clone. Okay. <laughs> it's a really good show. Re- highly recommended if you're if you're into that kind of thing. It's bonkers. <laughs> I would say it's 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 more bonkers. I would say it's a lot more bonkers. And if you if you had such a good time, if you guys had such a good time with Zoo Ranger, you're gonna have a, you're gonna have much a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get more alcohol. And, and, and here's the and here's the insane, here's the insane part. It's considered canon to the Godzilla show with series. Huh. Yep, sure is. Completely mm-hmm. other show. <laughs> Just hanging out there doing God knows what. Yep. No supervision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. So for for the the kaiju films like. I mean, they all have like your your human counterparts like mm-hmm. doing things. What what is that typically the kind of roles that they have in those movies? I, the most common sorts of roles you'll see in those are reporters, scientists, and soldiers most most often. Okay. And they, there was a he didn't necessarily invent all of this because Godzilla fifty four has all those kinds of characters in it. But there, there was a screenwriter by the name of Shinichi Sekizawa that really took those archetypal characters and ran with them and made them staples of the genre. Now, that isn't to say that every single movie, every single kaiju film is like that. Uh, infamously, Gamera, the Gamera series introduced us to children as frequent characters <laughs> to varying levels of failure. <laughs> no success, just failure. <laughs> Except for Gamera the Brave. Gamera the Brave is amazing. One of the few kaiju films that nearly makes me cry. <laughs> yeah. And that's from 2005? Five, five, five or six? Somewhere yeah, around there. 2006, 2006. 2006, yeah. Yeah. But those are the ones you'll typically see. There are those uh, there are there's also some where you'll see politicians pretty often, not usually as primary characters, but politicians are in there, you know, because you know government leaders have to respond to things. Well, Shin Godzilla is probably the most obvious example of politicians as main characters, and you know, but there are some where your main characters are just normal people trying to deal with stuff. Uh, Godzilla raids again. It's like it was basically just blue, your main characters were just blue collar people doing their thing and Godzilla comes in and mucks everything up and then they start getting more involved. To a certain extent, minus one is like that, other than the fact that most of our characters, while they are civilians now, you uh, you used to be soldiers. Mm-hmm. Or, or so that's have, a, yeah, a little bit of a gray area. I was say, or you have movies like the one that you, you convinced us to watch was Godzilla versus Megalon, where you have the, the crazy oh. science or I thought they were space people, but they live inside the Earth. <laughs> yeah, Seatopia. Seatopia. <laughs> the one you guys, Atlantis, the one you guys really, <laughs> the one you guys really should watch is Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster because the hero in that is a cop. <laughs> Not Godzilla or anything. It's just nope. He, he no, be- it, it, our human hero, our human hero is a cop, and he's trying to protect 
a uh, a foreign princess who may or may not, in fact, be possessed by an alien. <laughs> I know that sounds like it shouldn't make sense, but when you actually watch the movie, it actually makes sense. <laughs> Am I right, Michael? No, you're one hundred percent right. One hundred percent. It's not the one that makes has zero Rodan, sense, on. right? Or that is not Godzilla vs. Yes, monsters. Oh, uh, Rodan. Actually, Rodan is interesting because uh, that one, it's a bunch of there's. It's a, mostly just regular people. It's uh, people in a small mining town. Uh, I mind that, yeah. Uh, but he was talking about Ghidorah the Three of the Monster being Rodan. Well, I think Ghidorah the Three, yeah, Ghidorah the Three of the Monster was the first appearance of Rodan within the Godzilla canon. Within the um, and his second appearance with, overall. And his second appearance overall, yeah, because mm-hmm. the first movie was from 1956 and it was a solo film. Well. Solo as in like a uh, single species of Rodan. Rodan, so there's male. There was male. There were, yeah, there was. Uh, there were two Rodans. Okay, I, I didn't. <laughs> Still a better love story than Twilight. <laughs> That's an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> I mean, they they have this very Shakespearean ending. You know, it's like Romeo and Juliet, except they weren't star-crossed lovers. They you know. <laughs> basically, and what's hilarious, and what's hilarious is that it happened by accident. So the idea initially, what you know, is the Rodans die, are supposed to quote unquote die in a volcanic eruption, and one of them gets caught, and one of the props got caught in the lava, and the other one was supposed to fly away, but it ended up malfunctioning and it fell down back into the lava. So they wrote lines into the script where they said that uh, the other one just couldn't handle that its mate had died in the lava, so it threw itself in there to die with it. <laughs> so, okay. It's like, oh well, we dropped it, so uh, yeah, it's dead too. <laughs> oh god, that could like, be an urban legend. I'm not sure. That's like that's history of the world, part one, where Mel Brooks comes down as Moses, and he's like, "I bring you these 15 and he drops one of the tablets. And cra- <laughs> and he's like, "These fifty, uh, ten, ten commandments." <laughs> yeah. So those are the kinds. Of, so again, you can see, a, you know, a variety of characters you know it's but like you're mostly typically going to see soldiers scientists and reporters okay it's really but interesting it, that and a dopey i was just gonna kid. say i was just gonna point out and a dopey kid um and i was just gonna point out that it's more often than not typically your scientists and you're just average joes and your average joes just they take the roles as uh the, the, the main protagonists other were in ja- in the Japanese films rather than in the American films, like especially the ones from the fifties. It's typically military personnel that are mm-hmm. the leading men and women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of times, although mm-hmm. them has a scientist in it who's uh, presented right. pretty positively. Same uh, same thing actually in Beast of Twenty Thousand Fathoms, which was the nineteen fifty three, and is also one of the key influences on the original Godzilla. In fact, it's freaky how much Godzilla borrows from it. If you watch that movie after seeing Godzilla 54, you're like, oh my gosh, how much did they steal from this? (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of wild. You'd be going to the dean's office for academic dishonesty. (laughs) Possibly. Uh, Another common archetype that you will see, but not, quite as frequently as the others is the native girl. We've had a few of those, too. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Mm-hmm. Got to get the pretty faces in there, because the public must have a pretty face. 
as Carl Denham would tell us. <laughs> Damn it. Well, so with kaijus being around since the 30s, essentially, with King Kong, what, what has kept them so popular? Like, why? How, how does people just still keep watching kaiju films? There's a multitude of reasons for that. <laughs> I think I think it's I I just want to I think it's like the culture. A lot of times it's cultural relevance. It's like uh, kaiju films are a lot of times a reflection of what's going on politic geopolitically, mm-hmm. uh, social socially. Um, you know, if you look at Godzilla versus if you look at Godzilla versus Hedera uh, from nineteen oh Godzilla versus Hedera from nineteen seventy two, you're looking at like environmentalism mm-hmm. and. Uh, if you're looking, at, and if you take a film also like uh, Godzilla, Godzilla's Revenge from 1969, that also addresses some very, some, uh, that also has a lot of cultural context pertaining to children. Mm-hmm. So latchkey kids, uh, latchkey kids, yeah, latchkey kids. Because in in the 60s, on into the 70s, there were a lot like working class towns, factory towns, etc. Lots of latchkey kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, the parents were the parents were working a lot more. Working a lot them. more, and they, because they, because Japan in the '60s they exploded economically, like they made such a massive turnaround economically. You know, after the devastation of the war, mm-hmm. you know, and then in basically a decade and a half after the war, they're you know into the six. Once you get to the '60s, it just it just started taking off like crazy. So you know, there's a lot more money, and people are working a lot more. Japan industrialized very quickly which led to a lot of pollution and what by the time you get to the 70s and there was legislation that was passed in japan in the 70s to clean everything up because it just got really that bad it was horrendous but the big thing with all monsters attacker godzilla's revenge as much as that film at at one point for a while it was derided but i think people have come around on it because the premise of the movie is that doesn't even take place in the Godzilla universe. It, I, it more likely takes place in the quote-unquote real world. The main character is a kid who's a latchkey kid. He loves monsters, and he fantasizes about going to Monster Island and hanging out with the kaiju. <laughs> and he does it to cope with his loneliness because he rarely gets to see his parents anymore. And I think it's actually one, a very sad story, to be honest, even though it, tur- it turns into Home Alone by the end because he ends up getting kidnapped by burglars and shows Macaulay Culkin how to do it. (laughs) I think what ties, well, what also ties um, the Japanese genre of kaiju film and the, and the American genre of kaiju film. And I think this is, this is what leading towards was it, it addresses a lot of like the social anxiety of Mm -hmm. the time. Like like even the American films, uh, especially if you're talking like during cold war and like during, during the cold war and, and, all the other conflicts that we've had to endure over here, um, it, those those films still address or even exercise or are a way to cope with the anxieties that were going on in culture at the time. Mm-hmm. Even if it's doing it subtly. So unlike what a certain Dr. Skippa and their nostalgic would tell you, there are, there are far more than three Godzilla films that you know are about something. I mean, even if all they're doing is just reflecting something interesting that's going on, I, Michael, you know, one of my actually my first article for Kaiju Ramen was about Okinawa and how I mm-hmm. connected everything that was going on in the early to mid seventies with Okinawa to 
to Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, which most people, especially if you're non if you're a modern non Japanese person, you're looking at that thinking, oh, it's just a goofy sci fi movie. Well, if you know what was going on with Okinawa, because it takes place in Okinawa, if you know what was going on with Okinawa at the time, it gets a heck of a lot more interesting because Okinawa, just a few years before this, had been returned by the Americans who had controlled it since the end of World War II back to the Japanese. The uh, Okinawa and mainland Japan have a checkered history, to yeah. say the least. <laughs> and, you know, you know, you the argument can be made. Toho made this movie set on Okinawa, which has a very Okinawan monster in, on it. I mean, in it, in the you know, in the form of King Caesar, who's a Shisa statue, which is a deeply Okinawan tradition. You know, a Shisa statue. It's like a gargoyle. You know that they have all over their houses and all. It's supposed to ward off evil spirits, right? You know, and let the good ones in. That sort of a thing. And you know, it's almost like they're saying, hey. I don't think I know you don't may not quite like us, but you know here's a Godzilla movie for you, you know. <laughs> and then Godzilla, the monster of mainland Japan, and this very Okinawan monster are joining forces to fight an invader together. Okay. Huh. You know. So again, it's subtle. You know, but it's still fascinating when you know all of this stuff. And if you know anything about Okinawan culture, the things that the kind of weird things that you see in the movie with the priestess. Who, can, who gets a, an apocalyptic vision that ends up coming true with Mechagodzilla and all that, that might just seem weird, but if you know Okinawan culture, it actually makes all kinds of sense. Because they that, have that actually like that. That ended up being one of my favorite, or if not, well, yeah, that ended up being, because there's a lot of good articles that came through Kaiju Ramen during its time, but um, that ended up being one of my favorites just because of like the cultural significance. And it actually made me, and so to Nathan's credit, not to blow his ego, his already inflated <laughs> ego. Oh, I, I, uh, I can't me, compete with yours, sir. I'm sorry. Ma- made me actually appreciate Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla from 74 just a little bit more, knowing a little bit more, knowing about more of that cultural context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although I still don't understand how a, an Okinawan priestess can break out into song and there's a band playing for her. You always got to bring your own accompanying orchestra i mean well i mean you just if i was an, like, Okinawa, if I was an okinawan priestess i would hire a full-time band to just follow me around and you know and anytime i had to pray i would, I would know, hire several like, hey, guys hit it and just have them all around <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> all right well lastly what is a if you had to choose one what's your the most memorable kaiju battle that you uh that both of you <laughs> oh, oh god Oh, that's oh, mm. you broke that's it. A hard one. <laughs> oh, ah, mm. ah, He's in physical pain. Don't strain yourself. I was just like, why must you make me choose? It's like asking a parent who's their favorite child. They're a good parent. Starting, they're gonna have a hard time. time. <laughs> yeah. Aha! I'm the favorite. If, uh, if it's starting to hurt, Nathan, just switch positions. Wrong button. I hit two buttons at the same time. Uh, that takes the first. The first thing that comes to mind, and some would call it incredibly basic, but I'm going to say the final battle in the train station in Gamera Three. Mm. Because it's incredibly intense, 
It is some of the best Japanese special effects that I have seen in any film. They are Hollywood quality in that it's immaculately shot. It's claustrophobic because it's in a closed environment. There's a lot of stuff going on with the human story at that point, where, and it just all comes together very nice. It, it just amazingly well. Okay. You know, and everything is just executed and integrated just, just perfection. You said that's Gamera 3? Gamera 3, Revenge of Iris. I'll try and watch that one. Which I, I would, which I... Oh, uh, the Gamera trilogy from the 90s is quite possibly peak kaiju cinema. It's some of the best you're going to see. I love Gamera the Brave, too. It's in the unfortunately in the shadow of that trilogy, but it's amazing for different reasons. But the I would put Gamera 3 on my Mount Rushmore of kaiju films. Okay. Michael, did you have a, 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 what was a favorite? What, what was the, repeat the question again. Your favorite and most memorable kaiju battle. Ooh, okay. Um, He's thinking very hard. <laughs> I should say it's hard. It's hard because there's a lot. It, it, it is for for as much as like as much as we've consumed, <laughs> like as much meat as much kaiju media as we've consumed and talked about and discussed over like over over just, the years. Just a couple of really thousands of hours. <laughs> Thousands of hours, like you're, I'm thinking through, like thousands, because there's like is there, there's a ton of contenders. You got Godzilla versus Destroya, which has its own mm-hmm. <clears throat> significance in terms of it being Godzilla dying, like literally, and his heart explodes mm-hmm. and he just he just dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, as so a fatal case I mean, of heartburn. Yeah, yeah. yeah literally, uh, I would um, say I would say both of the Showa Mechagodzilla fights would be in contention. Both both yeah. of the, both of the Showa Mechagodzilla. Fights will be in contention because they're so beautifully. Sh- I feel like, especially Terror has been it was beautifully shot. Oh, I love. Oh, there's so many great highlights in Terror with 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 uh, those very low angles that you don't necessarily get a lot of in in the in the previous film. Um, mo- you know, Monster Zero on Monster Zero, the first fight on the moon. No, um, no, no, Planet first, X. Yeah, with the giant X. <laughs> Doug yeah, giant X. Like, planet, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, the sorry. Uh, the yeah. end of Destroy All Monsters. The end of Destroy All Monsters, but I think you know what? Just for the just for the the fact that it's like that East meets West, I'm gonna go with like King Kong versus Godzilla. The original, like, yeah. that the yeah. original from '62, from '62. The the final their final bout on Mount Fuji, there specifically their final their final bout on Mount Fuji. Now I will admit, King Kong versus Godzilla is not one that I go back to a lot, um, but there is a lot of if you look into that film. And its history and how it came about. There is a lot of interesting little nuggets that you can pull from that. It, it is literally East meets West, and the argument has been had over and over. I think it's fascinating to, to listen to fans talk about did 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 Kong win or did Godzilla win or did like did did Godzilla die or whatever? Well, obviously, we know Godzilla didn't die, but um, you know who won in that battle. So I my stance has always been the one you see walking away from the fight still standing is the winner and that's mm-hmm. Kong. But the argument also could be made that Godzilla swam away because Godzilla mm-hmm. is very aquatic. Mm-hmm. So it's a toss up. Like, but, but I'm just going to go with that one just because I need something to, I need something to, uh, to talk about. Plus mm-hmm. that it's culture, it's cultural significance of East meeting West. 
Okay. It's not that film is not the first kaiju fight, at least in the Godzilla series for sure, because you had that with Raid again. But I would argue it defined what kaiju fights were going forward because it's wild. Yeah. It it's absolutely wild. And fun and fun and fun fact: there is a uh, there is a, a spot in to use a pro wrestling term where Hong judo flips Godzilla. Haruo Nakajima was still in the suit. When they did that, yep. going forward, that, if they did a movie, that was not a, that was not an empty suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say going forward, whenever they did maneuvers like that, it was with an empty suit. <laughs> but nope, Nakajima was still in that. So when you watch that movie and you see whoop, Ninja Monkey right over the right over the back, there's still a human being in that suit. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> Haruo Nakajima was hardcore, and believe it or not, he only ever. He, he played Godzilla for 18 years over the course of 12 movies and a bunch of other kaiju and other films and on TV, he only ever got injured once. And that was actually not in a Godzilla movie. It was in Varan. Nope. It was in Varan the Unbelievable because they were supposed to set an exploding truck off under his belly and it was a little closer to his groin. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Fire Red balls of fire. <laughs> and just like that, you're a tenor in the boys' choir. <laughs> hey. But no, it's like, there's just too many to there's just too many to pick from. Like honestly. And then, and that sounds like a like sounds like a bullshit cop out, but there just is. There's just a ton of the and they all have their own relevance. Like you look like Godzilla versus Hedera, the final battle for that film is just is also just wild and crazy mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. Um Godzilla, yeah, Godzilla uh, versus Godzilla. Oh, sorry. I was just like Godzilla versus Gigan um, is the first is the first instance is the first instance where we see Godzilla bleed. Um, it's just, it's, you it's could wild. make Godzilla bleed if it bleeds. We can Grab a buzz saw to your chin. And it also kind of depends on what you're looking for. If you want sheer, just absolute, just crazy fun. The last thirty minutes of Godzilla versus Megalon is going to make you very happy because it's just insane. You know, but it, or it, it, but if you want something with more artistry, there's other examples you could go to. I mean, yeah, you know, it just really boils down to what are you looking for. Okay. Well, we're going to have to wrap this episode up, but we appreciate y'all coming on and telling us and in, instructing our audience what a kaiju is and, and the history behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Well, Absolutely. kaiju kaiju can take kaiju can take a lot of different forms. You know, Godzilla, Gamera, King Kong, uh, Rosie O'Donnell. Jason Statham, The Rock, um, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, <yeah. laughs> Arnold, Arnold, uh, But yeah, it's like it's whatever whatever your interpretation is. I'm not going to sit here and say. That you're wrong, unless um, you're because someone we know. <laughs> unless you're someone we know, like because because it it really is like we I think I want to I kind of want to land the plane with kind of circling back to where we started. It is really up to interpretation because the the name kaiju is so malleable mm-hmm. that um, it is difficult to just really pin down what the word actually should mean and does mean which i think goes back to just how the japanese language is it's 
there's a level of ambiguity and nuance with the Japanese language because you can change the meaning or the connotation just by your inflection or your tone in the language. And also, if you're writing out kanji, you can you can change the meaning just by making slight alterations, from what I understand, to some of the kanji. So it it's a it's a very nuanced language in that regard, you know. And there's, and there's a level of ambiguity to it, which is why I think the Japanese, and you know, culturally speaking, are more comfortable with ambiguity than a lot of Westerners. All right. Well, before we go, did you want to plug your other podcast real quick? Go for it, Michael. Um, okay. So if you're familiar with mine and Nathan's work on the Power Trip podcast, the journey through the Power Rangers franchise, uh, there's two scenes. There's two whole seasons of that you can listen to. Um, for season one covers everything, MMPR, Peru, uh, Cosmic Fury. No, Dino Fury. Season, oh, Dino Fury. Sorry, Dino Fury. Um, and we even covered two, Alpha's Magical Christmas. Alpha's Magical Freaking Christmas. Um, and then season two covers covers uh, comic bo- the Boom Studios comic books, a couple of like obscure, more obscure comic books, um, and then some Super Sentai as well. And then of course Cosmic Fury. And then we've got a new episode, or it's been delayed for a very long time. Um, but yeah. we've got our final, final, final episode coming out very soon. Um, as soon as Nathan finishes that edit. Um, so, I volunteered as yeah, tribute. <laughs> you volunteered as tribute. I appreciate you, buddy. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I don't... And we, also to, did, I, uh, we, also, we also did Once and Always. Once and Always, that's right. We talked about a one-hour special for three hours. <laughs> sure did. There was a lot to unpack there. Um, and, you know, outside of that, I don't have a lot going on. You know, monster, the Monsters of Attitude, relevant to this episode, and the Monsters of Attitude, YouTube channel where me and a bunch of friends of mine, Eric Stolp, Adrian Settle, uh, Joe Myers, and other uh, Elijah Thomas and others get together. We talk about kaiju, movies, TV, um, collectibles. We just had our figure of the year show where we talked about like collectible of the year, et cetera, et cetera. Ooh, 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 uh, ooh, ooh Michael, show. Michael, I missed that. What what was the figure of the year? Oh, figure of the year was the Spiral Studios Burning Godzilla. The, of course, the big of light course up. it was. The big, the big light up. Um, no one was. So <laughs> we've got that. Right, we've got that. Um, we we got that recorded. You can go watch that. We've got another episode being uh, recorded this weekend uh, where we talk. Where we're going to talk about Monarch uh, Legacy of Monsters. So that's going to be a good show. It's it's going to be a small crew on that show because we want, but. It's just going to be like the main guys, me, Joe, Eric, and, and Adrian on that show, just talking about Monarch Legacy of Monsters, uh, which was a fantastic show. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, outside of that, not a whole lot going on. Uh, so, yeah, Nathan, go ahead and do shameless self-promotion. <laughs> shameless self-promotion. Yeah. So uh, I am the I am the host and curator of the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through Tukasatsu. It focuses mostly on film. We've dabbled in television a few times. Michael has been a frequent guest on there. I don't have a set co-host. I have a rotating roster of guest hosts. We've talked some Power Rangers on there. I've brought, uh, actually, Michael, your your first appearance on the show was for Gogura, if I remember correctly. 
which was indeed set. Yeah, that semi obscure yeah, that semi obscure Toho film from nineteen sixty four, which yeah, we had a good time about that. You know, we talked about Yakuza and Lovecraftian octopus monsters from space and yeah. <laughs> the tentacle porn. Like we oh yeah. Oh yeah, we uh, we got we got yeah. into all of it. Got, you know, all kinds of things. Actually. All of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it also includes some audio drama vignettes that developed very organically. And Michael has at one point played about a quarter of the cast. He loves being the bad guy. <laughs> there's one. I'm a natural, there's I'm one, a natural heel. Yes. Yes, you are. And there's one quite epic episode. It was my second season finale where we talked about <clears throat> century, which was an Italian film made in Canada figure that out <laughs> where michael did full tilt method acting and actually got drunk on the air and somehow didn't my, break character i it's some of my some of my best work guys some it is peak podcasting right there and according to my podcast host analytics one of my top 10 most popular episodes <laughs> yep and uh, I'm all, I was also the co-host of Henshin Men, which was a tokusatsu superhero TV podcast. It was mostly focused on the original Common Writer because it's 98 freaking episodes. I, I branched out and talked about a few other things, still mostly Common Writer focused. That show is being retired along with the Power Trip, unfortunately. Yeah. Michael and I do have at least one more beyond the one that has been released one more episode plan for the power trip but my plan is to start up a spinoff slash sequel to both of those shows which I will once I've ironed out some more details about that I'll be sure to let everybody know and then obviously I'm one of the many actors in Carl Dutton's Scyther podcast Stable I played most infamously <laughs> Rito on Power Rangers the audio drama <laughs> and I just made my debut on X-Men the audio drama as of all people Deadpool and I will be appearing in an upcoming episode of Avengers the audio drama which is a spin-off from the X-Men show that one of Carl's friends is doing as Johnny Storm baby <laughs> so you know well, uh, that's going to be fun Flamer! Flame on sorry yeah, Flamer. Yeah, yes <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's going for the low hanging balls now? I'm just saying. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Sounds like you guys are going to have a very busy year. Yeah, I'm always busy. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then if you want to, I'm also a writer as well as a podcaster. And if you want to check up my writings, my books, all that fun stuff, go to my author website, NathanJSMarchand.com and MonsterIslandFilmVault.com. Which and both those websites will give you links to all the socials for all of those things. Or will they? Mm. <laughs> or will they? Or yes, they will. Yes, they will. Yes, quite. Some yes. of the great writings of Charles Kumquat. <laughs> Charles Kumquat. <laughs> there it is. It all you, you, know, you need to be careful because Charles Kumquat's going to have to be something in something I write. Now. We're going to have to flush that out. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Kumquat will be WHC3's best friend from, school, from college or something. His old roommate. <laughs> yeah, his old roommate. Well, hello, Ch- Charles Kumquat. It's been years since I've seen you, old boy. Charles. <laughs> all right, well, that's all we have for this Charles. episode. Uh, you have me, Mitch. You have Tom. And? 
Michael and Nathan. Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Michael, Nathan, yeah. And we'll catch you next time. The gang's all here. <laughs>